0: Uh, The title of today's message is called The Bush is Still Burning. Everybody say, The Bush is Still Burning. You guys sound really good. I wasn't ready for that. Okay, let's try it again The Bush is Still Burning. That was really good. That was really good. Well, what we're going to talk about is how God can work in the ordinary things in our life and how he wants us to respond to that, okay? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So I'm going to read some scripture. If you have your Bible or you have your cell phone um, or your iPad or I something or another, just pull it out. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start right in verse 1. Uh, the bush is still burning. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Let's go. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb. If you're reading along in your Bible, it might say Sinai right there, and it was actually called Sinai after Moses received um, the, 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 the law there. So before that, it was called Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Everyone say, to see. See. To see. To see. Okay. Why this bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Notice the exclamation point there. That was... That was not just my emphasis. And he said, here I am, period. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. Celebration Church, I am honored to be here today. My pastors, Pastor Frankie and Allie, are seriously spiritual mentors and uh, fathers and mothers in, in my wife and I's lives, and we are honored to be here. And I want to say thank you so much for this honor and privilege. Will you pray with me before we get started? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the kind people that have made it here into your house to make you a priority. Father God, I pray right now that you would anoint my lips, Lord God, that you would take, Father God, a coal from the altar of the throne room of heaven and touch my lips, God. Fill my heart with what breaks your heart, Father God. Help me to articulate and enunciate every word, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you'd help us, Lord God, to be able to receive what you have for us tonight and this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, we're going to do a little Sunday school lesson, okay, for you about Moses. Everybody knows Moses. Moses was the guy who built the ark, okay? And so, <laughs> I'm just trying to gauge how much Sunday school lesson we need to do here, okay? <laughs> it's about... about. I think, probably, okay? (laughs) So Moses, Moses was, uh, the way the story goes is Moses was the guy who God used to free his people, the Hebrews, or before they were called the Israelites, out of Egyptian slavery. Uh, They had been in Egyptian slavery for about 432 years. They left the land of Egypt. They parted the Red Sea. Remember, uh, you guys remember the old movie with Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments? Moses raised his hands and, and they parted the sea and all that. Yes, that was Moses, that guy. Well, before all that happened, the Pharaoh uh, had, had decided he was going to execute this order on the Hebrew people, okay? And so a part of that order, what he wanted to execute was he wanted to make sure that he killed the firstborn of every Hebrew slave's son, out there in the land of Egypt. And so Moses' mother, a woman who could not uh, just bear to see her son be killed like that, she wrapped up baby Moses and she put him in some swaddling little cloth and put him down the Nile River. It just so happens, just so happens that the Pharaoh's daughter actually ended up finding Moses in the Nile River And raised him in her own house as her own son. Now, it's probably not hard to believe that somewhere along the way, uh, during Moses' life in Pharaoh's house, that he realized he was not, in fact, born Egyptian. Okay, I'm not sure how it happened. The Bible doesn't really clear about it, but I imagine maybe as he was growing up, maybe he was treated a little bit different. Maybe his skin color was a little different. maybe uh he just kind of realized he wasn't in line next to be the Pharaoh. i don't know, but something along the way, maybe somebody just told him, Hey, you know you're really a slave, right I don't know so Moses begins to deal with this and internalize this this problem that he's got going on, that he is not actually an Egyptian citizen, and that something about this 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 Place that he's been raised in, it just doesn't feel like home. And so one day, the Bible goes that the story tells us that he's out walking and he sees an Egyptian slave driver beating a Hebrew slave. And it says that this this righteousness came inside of this, injustice came inside of Moses, and he decided to take matters into his own hands. And he, I mean, he must have been, I mean, imagine now, Moses must have been a pretty strong guy, like pretty big, because it says that he killed this man with his bare hands. So either he was like really awesome at like Muay Thai or, or MMA or something, but, but he just took care of this guy and he buried him in the sand. Okay. Now Moses begins to feel this, this great, this great guilt and the shame over his life that there's something wrong. I mean, I mean, he, he just killed somebody and, and I'm, I'm, I don't belong here. And, and what am I going to do? And so he ran. He ran off into the desert. In fact, it says that Moses spent 40 years in the desert. Now, this is where we pick up in our story. You see, Moses wasn't doing anything wrong. In fact, it seemed like Moses had a pretty ordinary life. It seemed like he had a pretty good life, right? It seems like he had a job, right? He was, he was, he was obviously doing something with the sheep. He had, he had a family. He'd been raising a family. He had a father-in-law. Right, and so uh, he he had he had been doing some things while he was in the desert that would that would propel him into his future. They weren't hurting him. Um, They were good things. They're normal things. They're ordinary things. Things that you're supposed to do. Like you should have a job. You should have a family. You should have some sort of lucrative business or something. It, it, It was he was doing what he needed to be doing. I call these days. These days, in seasons like that in the desert, I call them the unannounced days. You know, they're the days in our lives where we do things that are just ordinary. Nothing extraordinary is happening. Some of us are kind of all waiting. I know I was anyways. I could just say me, me alone. I've always been waiting my whole life for that like moment. You know what I mean? Anybody else ever felt that before? That like moment where like you walk on the stage or something, everyone's like, ah. You're just like, I've done it. I'm here, right? I did it. I don't know, but I'm still waiting. A moment hasn't happened. But it, 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 So I know that there's everything else that's not that moment. Well, those are unannounced days. The days where it's kind of like you just keep going through the motions and keep just doing what you're supposed to be doing and doing what people have always told you to do and just... Doing what needed to be done. That's where Moses was. And so one day as Moses was walking through the desert, it says that he saw a burning bush. Now, interesting, interestingly here, that that Hebrew word for "see" that word is pronounced or said ra-ah. R-A apostrophe dash A-H. ra Okay, so it's kind of like, uh, you like you like raw sushi? Ah, raw okay? <laughs> ah, okay? Raw ah, ah, mmm, don't like you as much. Raw ah, okay, I'm just kidding. Um, so that word raw ah, what it actually means, not just see, it means to perceive. Everybody say perceive. perceive. It means to perceive. And so... Moses that day is walking in the desert and he perceives something happening. Now, rabbis teach, rabbis teach that the, uh, the bush burning, that instance in the Bible, rabbis teach that, that bush burning, that it had been burning for years. You see, when we read it, we, we think of it and we just say, oh, the, he saw a burning bush as if the bush had just been burning. But it's very possible that that bush had been burning. It had been burning. So you see, Moses that day, as he was doing his ordinary, regular thing... Which, just so you know, seeing a burning bush in the desert, it's a dry place. It's hot. It's really not that uncommon to see something on fire, okay? But there was something about it that he perceived it differently. He he started to notice there was something different. In fact, if you're following an NIV, it even said, that is amazing, when he looked at it. Why? Because it says that it burned, but it was not consumed. It was on fire, but it would not go away. So what I say all that to say that that day, as Moses was walking through, doing the ordinary, regular thing in his life, he began to perceive what God had always been doing in the desert. Every day in his life, he began to turn and notice that there was something bigger happening there. There was something happening, and it had been going on for a long time. Moses just decided to notice it that day. How many people do you think walked past that same burning bush and did not notice that God was there? I believe that God is looking for a generation of people. He is looking for fathers. He's looking for mothers. He's looking for students. He's looking for grandparents. He's looking for a city and a community of people that will turn and see and notice what God has been doing all along. It's the truth, it's the truth. I've heard it said before that the greatest movements in all of, all of Christianity didn't happen when somebody first discovered something brand new that God was doing. Instead, it was when they realized what God had been doing all along and began to put it into practice and began to see what God was doing in their lives. All we have to do is perceive what God is doing. I'm here to tell you this morning, the bush is still burning. The bush is still burning. The bush is still burning. Take it from me. The past couple days have been hard, okay? I just had a hard couple, hard couple of days, okay? Yesterday particularly was also hard, okay? Now, yesterday was my seven-year anniversary. I know that's not a long time, but it was a long time to me and my wife. My wife's right here. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Enjoyable seven years. Stand up, sir. Smoking hot Mexican lady. And no, she did not. She did not eat a watermelon. We are pregnant. We are having a baby. It's a boy. I know. I know. I know. I know. Thank you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, pray for me. We need the prayers. We need the prayers. Anyways, past couple days have been really difficult. In fact, as I was kind of just going through the motions of what needed to be done and I tried to make a special day for my wife yesterday and, and all these different circumstances and different things are happening. Um, we have my, I have a five-year-old daughter and we have a, a little girl with us. as her cousin, her name is Miranda. And, and they are two alpha females. And when two alpha females get together, it's kind of like, nah, 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 you know? it's just like someone needs to go to bed or me or something, but it's just something's got to happen here, okay? I'm not used to this. It's crazy. It was wild. Yesterday was wild. I remember walking through the house, and I remember just thinking, God, please, I just want today to just go good. And, and why is this happening? And can you believe? And I got a text message. I'm like, are you serious right now? And so all of these things are happening. And I remember it just recollecting and coming to my mind, Lance, the bush is still burning. And I started to think, God, what are you trying to show me in this situation? You see, it's the unannounced days, the days that you go through as a mom doing laundry or as a dad driving an hour to work or as a student studying later than everyone else studied or working those two-a-days in football practice that no one else gets to see, but it's in those moments where God can meet you if we would just perceive that he was there. It's the truth. So how? How does that happen? How can we do that? How can we do that? I'm going to give you two points this morning. Two points. The first one, the first one is you have to turn and see. Everybody say, turn and see. Turn and see. You see, has anyone ever put together a puzzle? Anyone ever put together a puzzle? Raise your hand if you have put together a puzzle. Okay. Raise your hand if you have seen a puzzle before. Okay. Thank you. There we go. We all know we're on the same page here. I thought we'd do a Sunday school lesson on puzzles. Okay. I have a puzzle piece here. Pastor Duane. if you can hand that to me. You see, Whenever you build a puzzle and you have uh, you have these pieces, okay? Now, their puzzles come in all different shapes and sizes, um, and they have all kinds of different pieces. This is a single piece of a puzzle. Thank you, Exhibit A, okay? This is a single piece of a puzzle. Now, looking at this piece of the puzzle, can you see, can you tell what this is or what kind of picture it's supposed to make? Of course not. Of course you can't, because it's a single piece. And in order to build a puzzle, or if you buy a puzzle, or if you ever help somebody build a puzzle, you have to have seen the lid of the puzzle or the picture that it's supposed to make, right? Good. Very good. So go ahead and throw that picture up there for me. Could you have been able to tell that this white puzzle piece actually just fit right about there, just right in that spot, and then you would have made a scene from Little House on the Prairie or something? Would, would you have been able to tell that this was a, one, this is piece number one of 999 pieces from Little House on the Prairie 101 puzzle? No, you couldn't have, right? You see, I'm going to put this down for a second. Don't be distracted by it. You see, so many of us are building our faith journey or our spiritual lives off of a picture that is not Jesus. You see, Jesus is not critical, Jesus is not segregated. Jesus is not, is not rules and regulation. Jesus is not religion. Jesus is not a building. Jesus is not Christianity even. Jesus, Jesus, the Bible says, is Savior. It says is God. Jesus is something that we live our lives towards and we believe in and we are redeemed by God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's who Jesus is. so many of us sometimes we get that picture mixed up about what we're trying to build our spiritual lives and we're traveling in this faith journey towards and it's kind of like putting together a puzzle but looking at the wrong picture you can have pieces and some of those pieces might even fit but it could be the wrong picture you're building you know someone that had the wrong picture Judas. Judas had the wrong picture. If you don't know who Judas is, Judas is the, one of the 12 disciples that betrayed Jesus. He sold him for 30 pieces of silver, which in that day was about the price of a common slave. It wasn't even for a glorious amount of money. Sounds pretty unannounced, right? You notice how you never meet anybody named Judas? <sighs> like starting like in... February, March, you start calling around. Call H&R Block. Hi, H&R Block, this is Judas. Don't let Judas do your taxes, folks. Hi, I'm here to take your order. My name is Judas. No, it's not. (laughs) Right? You see, Judas had the wrong picture of Jesus, which is so interesting to me because Judas lived with Jesus. Judas saw him feed 5,000. He saw him walk on water. He saw miraculous, amazing things with Jesus. And yet, still, he had the wrong picture. It's incredible to me. Let me give you a glimpse into the mind of Judas, real quick. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 20, just mark this in your Bible. Matthew chapter 26, verse 20. We're going to read a couple of verses. The night before Jesus was crucified, it's called the Last Supper. It's when Jesus, who in my opinion, he was, think about it, he was 30 years old, okay? He hung out with guys that were between 14 and 23 years old. He was a youth pastor, okay? Jesus was the first youth pastor ever, okay? These 12 disciples were like his little youth group, okay? Um, And this is what he did, all right? So Jesus, the night before he died, is having his last supper with his youth group. And so it goes like this. They're sitting down together eating. It says, when it was evening, this is Matthew 26, verse 20. It's up on the screen. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn. That means one right after another. All 11 people asked like this. Am I the one, Lord? Big L, Lord, as in God. Am I the one, Lord? Am I the one, Lord? Am I the one, Lord? I think you're the one. Am I the one, Lord? Am I the one? He's definitely the one. Am I the one? Am I the one, Lord? Am I the one, Lord? Am I the one, Lord? What about me, Lord? Am I the one? But skip down. Verse 25. Judas. huh? Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked... Rabbi, am I the one? If you don't know what rabbi means, rabbi means, which is, I didn't know what it meant either. Rabbi means good teacher. Am I the one? Good teacher? You see, don't miss the subtlety here of that statement, of that verse. Because in it, you see a glimpse into the mind of Judas. Judas. A person who had the wrong picture of Jesus. You see, to Judas, Jesus was not Lord, big L, God. Jesus was just a good teacher. And you see, when Jesus is simply a good teacher, when he's the reason that we have a good life, great job, great kids, kids in private school, but you don't fall down at his feet and worship him, the only outcome is betrayal. The bush is still burning, but we are missing it. It's possible to walk with Jesus and to never see him. It's possible to be within proximity of Jesus and to completely miss the whole thing. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible to know him but never see him. It's up to us to turn and to see that Jesus and who he really is and that the bush is still burning. And that God is able right now, right now in whatever situation we're in, no matter how unannounced, no matter how small or insignificant or how regular and mundane our season may feel, Jesus And the bush is still burning. And what he really looks like. What does he really look like? The bush is still burning. Everybody say, the bush is still burning. If your days feel unannounced, turn and see what God is doing all around you. Fall at his feet and see him as Lord and not just as a good teacher. Fall at his feet and see him as Big L God, that who he is and not just a good teacher i have this I have this with this issue with 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 students with with teenagers all the time. I see it not just here, I see it everywhere it 's like it must be cultural generational or something. It seems like there's always jesus and we have sermons sometimes that we'll preach and it 's like jesus you know it 's like guys, you know Jesus is everything, Jesus is what you need and it 's like and Jesus and nothing. Jesus is everything. But, and, well, you got to see Jesus. Jesus and, there is no and. It's just Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus. Jesus is enough. That's it. Period. End of story. You see, but I see this in our students. I see this in our students. I see it in students everywhere that it's like, but wait a minute, but I have a really good coach. He's really smart. Or I have really good science textbooks, and I met this science teacher just blew me away. He was way smarter than you and way smarter than my parents. And so I saw this thing on TV once, right? And then I watched this thing on Netflix and all of this other stuff. And so Jesus somehow gets compounded into all of that, and so it's like Jesus and something else. That's how. That's how. That's how Judas was able to slip away. There was nothing evil about Judas. The Bible never says that. You know, it talks about things that happened to other people where they were controlled by outside forces. But Judas. Judas saw what everyone else saw. Judas was in the boat when Jesus was was w- called Peter out, and he walked out. And Judas saw that. so that was amazing. But he didn't. He didn't. What happened? Well, to Judas. Jesus was just another and something else. He was just a good teacher to follow. He wasn't Lord. He wasn't Savior. He wasn't Redeemer. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't everything. He was and something else. That's who Jesus was to Judas. And that's who Jesus is to us. When we have the pieces but we build off of the wrong picture. You see, the bush is still burning. You have the pieces. I have the pieces. It's time that we turn and see what God is doing right here. Amen. How do we do that? Well, that's my second point. You have to treat the ground as sacred, treat the ground as sacred. Now, not all places are sacred. Trust me, okay? Not you've been to places, seriously, you just walk around the mall, you're like, this is not sacred, right? But there is a place that we all know is sacred, and that is Chick-fil-A. In fact, listen, the guy who works at Chick-fil-A and makes the shakes, sacred ground, okay? (laughs) Sacred ground. If you work... At chick-fil-a and you make the shakes you need to take your sandals off when you're at work okay because that is sacred ground where you stand that's why they're closed on sunday okay it's true there's something magical about those shakes i'm telling you now i want a chick-fil-a shake and if, and it's sunday why they got to be so holy i don't understand <laughs> When I was 17 years old, I found myself chasing. I was lost. I was like Moses in an unannounced day. I was uh, looking for a compass, something to guide me. I just ended up at the wrong place at the wrong time. I ended up in a dark place for a couple years. And it was in that place, it was in that place, in those unannounced days that I learned that the ground was sacred. And I learned that even in the darkest dungeons, that the ground where I stood was sacred and the bush was burning in my life. And it wasn't something brand new. It wasn't something next. It was something God had been doing all along. It was a puzzle piece that God had given me that once i learned to treat it as it was sacred it changed everything in my life when i was in when i was in prison i found the word i read it through 6 times i didn't understand it all many nights i fell asleep slobbering on the book of leviticus But Luke eight eleven says that the seed is the word of God. And if it is a seed, then it has the power to produce a harvest. And if you've ever been found in an unannounced place, in an unannounced day, in a season of desert, where you are dry and you are alone, then you need to plant a seed that can produce a harvest that can change it. And you do that by picking up the piece of the puzzle that God has already given us, looking to the bush that is already burning, to treating the ground you are standing on as sacred, turning to his word, putting a seed inside of your heart that could plant a harvest of righteousness. Won't you treat his word as sacred ground? Church, if we could read... If we could read the Bible with our children. If we could read the Bible with our spouses and our loved ones. and if, if we could read the Bible with people that we said we really cared about. If we could find some answers to the questions that we our own selves have. It could produce a harvest that could change Everything. This is sacred ground. Treat it as so. God's word is sacred ground. It's up to us to take the sandals off and to recognize that. You see, Moses went every single day, every single day are on the same path doing the same thing. And when he turned and saw this bush that was still burning, when he stood there and he recognized it and he saw it, God said to him something that changed his mind and changed his life forever. He said, "Take now, you've seen something. You've perceived something. Take your sandals off because where you're standing is holy ground. Moses was like, it is? I come here all the time. I I walk right past it. I mean, I bring sheep through here. You've seen what the sheep do. I mean, this is, this is, are you kidding me? This is sacred. But you see what we didn't read past verse five. Go ahead and pick up, keep reading from there. The message and the word that God had given Moses in that exact spot from that moment forward changed the course of history for a whole nation of people. It changed his life. It changed his destiny. It changed his confidence in who he was and who he thought about himself. It changed him as a man. It changed him as a father. It changed him as a brother. It changed him as a leader. It changed him as a man of God when he treated the ground as sacred. When he picked up the puzzle piece and he said, here in this place, God can use me. And from that moment on, Moses and the Hebrews, who would then be the Israelites, would change forever. I'd like to close with this last thought. You see, Jesus is always with us. The bush is always burning. The ground is always sacred. But that doesn't always make us aware of him. i tell you something. You see, faith is not a safety net from the treacherous things of life. It's not. But the bush is still burning. The ground is still sacred. You remember my puzzle piece here? And you remember that first picture that I showed you and how it fit that piece? Well, look at this picture. It also fits this way. And this one. Let me tell you something. You'll never forget I said this. Jesus was crucified, beaten, killed, convicted, shamed, judged wrongly by people who had all of the right pieces. But we're building the wrong picture. so interesting that when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem riding on the donkey for Passover week people were laying palm leaves at his feet praising Jesus the Messiah is finally here that at that same exact moment the very people who would crucify him were in the temple across the street praying for the Messiah (laughs) right pieces wrong picture See, if we're building our faith from the wrong pieces, no wonder so many of us are confused. No wonder that the Christian voice is so scattered from here to just West Texas. Right pieces, wrong picture.